1: Hey guys, and welcome to the Moms and Mysteries podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Mandy. How are you? I am doing wonderful. We are fresh off of fresh. our trip to CrimeCon, and it was so great. We had such a good time. I d- i don't even know what else to say. We had such a good time. There's so much to say. So much happened.
0: Yeah, it was it was absolutely incredible. One of the top weekends I've had and I don't know how long I don't want to say like in my life, because then that'll make my family feel bad. But it was really (laughs) good. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, We met so many people. We met so many families and other podcasters learned about shows we didn't know about learned a lot. It was really, really incredible.
1: It was really good. It was a jam-packed weekend, just nonstop action, but it was so good and so great to get out and connect with people in person as we kind of have talked, you know, you and I talked this week about how we just sit behind our screens and record the podcast and release them every Tuesday, but it's... Uh, kind of a rare opportunity to actually get out and interact with other people who are in the same kind of field and yeah. those of you who listen to the show and families, as you said. So it really was very refreshing and very nice. So yeah, we had... Refreshing
0: and overwhelming, but in a positive way. Like, yes, it was the hard best to way. believe that many people knew of our show cared to say hello. And the people that wanted pictures, I was really like, wow, this is
1: (laughs) (laughs) my kids will never believe this happened. (laughs) I know I tried to tell mine and they didn't believe it. So Mm -mm. no, it was awesome, though. (laughs) Yeah, it was great. So we are happy to be back with a new episode this week. And this is kind of a wild story. You know what? I don't even know if it's that wild. I just think everything's wild. And also, I think it's wild that we are talking about a story that happened a very, very long time ago in 1947. This might be like the oldest case we've covered.
0: One of them. And guess what? Canada. So we're not even in the US. We yeah. went to Canada for this one. Very yeah.
1: fascinating. Definitely. On the evening of May 20th, 1947, a tragedy unfolded in the quiet town of Severn Falls, Ontario. Ontario. 22-year-old Christina Kettlewell's honeymoon took a devastating turn when her lifeless body was discovered just 150 feet from her cottage, barely submerged in 9 inches of water along the riverbanks. To this day, the cause of her death remains a mystery, but many believe that her husband and his best friend and lover may have been involved. Christina Cecilia Monken was born on August 7, 1924 in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Her parents, Casimir and Mary, were Polish immigrants, and Christina had two younger sisters. She was known for her cheerful demeanor and was often described as always happy and laughing. Christina worked as a clerk at the Bank of Nova Scotia in Toronto, and she lived in the Mimico neighborhood. In 1942, Christina started a romantic relationship with a man named Jack Kettlewell. He was a 21-year-old who worked at a box factory, But their relationship became strained in 1943 when Jack enlisted in the Dental Corps during World War II, and so they had to spend some time apart. In the beginning of this time apart, they were able to maintain contact through letters, but eventually they completely lost touch. Christina's parents, who were Roman Catholics, certainly didn't mind because they didn't approve of Jack to begin with due to his Protestant faith. During this period of time, Christina became romantically involved with another man who did meet her parents' approval. This was a man of the Roman Catholic faith, and this new relationship ended up progressing to engagement. While she was engaged to this man, Christina started spending time with a friend of the first guy, her ex-boyfriend, and this man was named Ronald Barry. So their outings were strictly platonic and Ronald had also expressed that he was only interested in Christina as a friend and a lot of this was because of the prior relationship that she had with his friend Jack who is the guy who went off to war. Ronald and Jack had actually known each other since childhood and Christina had known Ronald for a pretty long time as well about five years. Ronald, who also went by Ronnie, had immigrated from northern Italy to Canada and had attempted careers in construction and insurance, but he didn't really find any success in those fields. He was also very into ballroom dancing. Christina eventually
0: ended her engagement with the Roman Catholic man, later telling her sister that she broke things off because of something Ronald Barry had said to her. But Christina wouldn't be lonely for long. She was soon engaged to another serviceman who her family approved of but that was just until Jack Kettlewell returned to the U.S. in 1946. When Christina started spending time with Jack again, her parents reminded her of their concerns about Jack not being Catholic. According to Christina's sister, Helen, the concerns went beyond Jack's religion. Christina's family was always feeling put off by Ronald Barry and the fact that he was always hanging out with Christina and Jack together. Helen thought that Ronald might be secretly in love with Christina, but it never occurred to her that Ronald was actually obsessed with his best friend, Jack. On Tuesday, April 29th, 1947, Christina was supposed to work a shift at the bank, but she never showed up. Her manager was quite concerned about her absence, so they contacted Christina's family to inquire about her whereabouts. Christina's family told them that they hadn't heard from her that day. The following morning, the family received a telegram from Christina, signed as Chris. Chris. The message stated, quote, Jack and I were married. See you when we get back, end quote. However, it's worth noting that this telegram was sent almost two weeks before Christina and Jack's actual wedding. In reality, Christina had secretly gone to New York to live with Jack and Ronald in an apartment that they had rented. Ronald later said that Jack was concerned that Christina's family would worry due to her sudden departure without informing them of her plans. To alleviate their concerns, Jack came up with this plan to falsely tell Christina's family that he and Christina had already been married, which explained the content of the April 29th telegram. Additionally, Jack deceived his own mother by sending her a letter along with flowers falsely claiming that he had already married Christina.
1: On May 3rd, Christina, Jack, and Ronald left New York and traveled to Severn Falls, where they stayed at Ronald's remote cottage that was accessible only by boat. During their journey, a taxi driver who interacted with the three of them noticed that Ronald had this very overbearing demeanor, and when Christina would speak, Ronald would always cut her off. And this led the driver to believe that Ronald must be Christina's brother, because who else would have the audacity to speak to the woman this way? Right. So upon returning to Jack and Ronald's apartment in New York on Monday, May 12th, Christina informed her sisters of her intention to marry Jack that very evening. Her sisters actually tried to talk her out of this, and that led to a very heated argument that led to Ronald contacting the police. But when the police got there, they just told Christina's sisters that they needed to leave and pretty much said, you know, Christina's an adult, and if she wants to get married to this guy tonight, then that's her prerogative. So despite this dispute, Christina and Jack did go ahead with their wedding that night. It was officiated by Reverend Father Louis Markle in Mimico, and Ronald served as the best man. Following this actual wedding, the newlyweds, along with Ronald, remained in town for a few days before they set off on their honeymoon, and they were going to be going back to Ronald's cottage in Severn Falls. They got there on May the 16th. They had chosen this location for their honeymoon because as Ronald said, you couldn't want a better place for a quiet honeymoon. It was away from everybody with no one around for a mile.
0: I'm sorry, no one but Ronald around for a right. mile.
1: And that's kind of odd, right? For your honeymoon. I know I have heard of people
0: like taking a friend or a couple friends on a honeymoon. I get this. But this seems to be like, hey, we're going to a secluded place. Ronald's gonna be there. Like, That defeats the whole purpose, Yeah, it
1: just doesn't seem to really fit. So they had actually planned on staying at this cottage for an extended period of time. They were going to stay the entire summer, and so they had brought clothes and all the necessities to last that long. So on Tuesday, May 20th, Christina, Jack, and Ronald all had breakfast together. Christina took care of cleaning up after the meal while Jack stayed in the living room and Ronald ended up just leaving the cottage. Later that day, Jack and Christina had lunch without Ronald, and during the meal, Jack started feeling really sick, and he actually lost consciousness at the table. When he regained consciousness, he found himself outside the cottage with Ronald hitting him in the face trying to wake him up, and Ronald informed Jack that the cottage was on fire, and Ronald was anxiously screaming for Christina. And we have so much more to get into after a quick break to hear a word from this week's sponsors.
0: How's that saying go? The only thing that stays the same is change. And while that's a big concept for my tiny brain, it is so true. And one of the most fun things in life is changing things up, especially when it comes to fashions and trends. With pair eyewear, you can change your look immediately in just a snap. And with the beginnings of fall in the air, now is a great time to change up your glasses with all things spooky season or sweater weather, thanks to their huge variety of frames. I was beyond excited to get some pair eyewear. I chose the Casper and crystal clear as my base frames for my sunglasses, and to mix it up, I chose what else but Diet Coke frames to change up the look. I know, I couldn't believe it. And honestly, what could be better? The Casper glasses fit my face so well and they don't slide down my nose, which is always really an issue for me. But what I really love is the variety of frames I can pick and choose depending on my mood. They're always changing things up. Like right now, for example, they have 18 new Halloween frames, which is perfect for Mandy. Impair eyewear isn't gonna cost you an arm and a leg. These are high quality glasses with base frames starting from $60 and top frames at just 25.
1: Change things up this season with new frames from Pear Eyewear. Go to peareyewear.com slash moms for 15% off your first pair. That's pear, p eyewear.com slash moms. Anyone that knows me knows how much I love my dogs. I want only the best for Lila and Reese, which is why when it comes to what I feed them, only Nom Nom will do. Nom Nom meals
0: are sure to put a smile on your dog's face with irresistible dishes like chicken cuisine and beef mash. These meals are crafted with top-notch proteins, veggies, and a precise blend of vitamins and minerals tailored to meet your furry friend's nutritional needs throughout different stages of their life. My dog Remy is a total Nom Nom head. Not only is Nom Nom bowl-licking good for him, but I know he's enjoying it long after he eats, thanks to the
1: energy he has and the wagging tails I'm seeing long after he's finished. Why compromise when it comes to your dog's well-being? Make the switch to genuine, fresh dog food that lets you see the ingredients with your own eyes. These nutrient-packed recipes are carefully crafted by board-certified veterinary nutritionists, ensuring the best for your furry friend. Plus, they're made fresh and conveniently delivered right to your doorstep. Go right now for 50% off your no-risk, two-week trial at
0: trinom.com slash moms. Spelled trinom.com slash moms for 50% off. trinom.com slash moms. And now back to the episode. So before the break, we're discussing Christina, Jack and Ronald, this kind of honeymoon with Ronald being there sort of situation they found themselves in at Ronald's cottage, at Ronald's cottage, very important part of the story. Uh, Jack and Christina finally have, I guess, had a moment alone to have lunch together. And as this lunch is going on, Jack gets sick. He finds himself unconscious and he wakes up to Ronald saying, Hey, the cottage is on fire and they don't know where Christina is. So Ronald reported that at approximately 6 PM, he discovered the kitchen was ablaze and that Christina was nowhere to be found. He was able to rescue Jack who appeared to be in an altered or drugged state lying unconscious on the couch A neighbor that lived in a cottage that was nearly a mile away noticed the fire and rushed in to help. When he arrived, he found Jack unconscious on the ground with Ronald nearby. Ronald informed the neighbor that he was unable to locate Christina. He mentioned that the last time he saw her, she was seated by the fireplace in a chair. The neighbor actually used his boat to transport Ronald and Jack back to Ronald's car, and at approximately 9 p.m., Ronald drove Jack to the hospital. There, Jack received medical attention for a head injury and his disoriented state. Ronald also received treatment at the hospital for burns and shock. Around 10 p.m., while Jack remained in the hospital, Ronald reported the fire to police and told them that Christina was missing. A police major arrived at the cottage to assist in extinguishing the fire. He actually went to the river to access water for firefighting purposes, but he did not come across Christina's body during that time. The cottage was completely consumed by the fire, and it was actually burned all the way to the ground. Meanwhile, there's a man named Melville, and he and his children started to search for Christina in their boat. They found her lying face down, partially submerged in approximately nine inches of water, positioned four to six feet away from the shore, and about 150 to 200 feet from the cottage. Christina was dressed in floral pajama pants and a man's shirt. She wasn't wearing any shoes at the time. Christina's wedding ring, which was valued at around $1,000, which seems like a ton of money back then. For that time, yeah. Right. It was suspiciously missing and was never recovered. Other than two small scratches on the left side of her forehead, Christina had
1: no external injuries, including not being burned at all. An autopsy determined that Christina had water in her lungs, but her body didn't show any signs of physical violence. Coroner assessments indicated that she'd been submerged in water for a longer period of time, likely before the cottage had completely burned down. Further investigations were carried out to determine if there were any drugs or poisons in her system, and they did find trace amounts of codeine in her stomach, and her cause of death was ultimately attributed to drowning. On the 21st, Christina's remains were released and transported to Toronto to prepare for her funeral. She was buried at Mount Hope Cemetery on May 26th, with both Jack and Ronald in attendance at the funeral. Everyone that had anything at all to do with the case, this included doctors and nurses, were all forbidden from discussing it. During his hospital stay, Jack was actually shielded from reporters – on the 21st, investigators conducted a two hour interview with him. And during this interview, Jack said that he had no recollection of the events beyond about 11 a.m. on the day of the fire. According to information from BuzzFeed, Jack's statement during the interview indicated that he and Ronald had been engaged in an intimate relationship for quite some time. After being released from the hospital, Jack returned to Mimico with his family. Ronald, however, underwent a comprehensive 13-hour interview with investigators, during which he provided a lengthy statement. And by lengthy, I mean about 3,000 words. Oh, my gosh. That's a very long statement.
0: That's not a statement. That's a, like, small
1: book. <laughs> yeah. So the police used the word fantastic to describe mm. this statement. So take that for what you will. I don't know if they meant that in a like, this is truly fantastic, or if they meant, like, this is fantastic. I (laughs) sarcasm. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So the focus of the investigators shifted towards Ronald's ownership of the cottage, particularly pertaining to possibly the cottage's insurance coverage. So Ronald had actually acquired this cottage in August of 1946 and insured it for $5,000, which was an amount that exceeded the $3,000 he originally paid for the property in the first place. So... That sounds like pennies for property, but this would be equivalent to over $75,000 in today's money. Jack had also obtained $5,000 insurance policies for both himself and Christina, and Ronald was designated as the beneficiary on these policies. So notably, BuzzFeed reported that the insurance policy included a double indemnity clause, which allowed the beneficiary to claim twice the amount in the event of accidental death. Additionally, Jack relinquished his wartime gratuities to Ronald and made changes to his will that excluded his actual family.
0: So just for context, this is just a few months after he's purchased this insurance. This is not very long at all. Right. Um, Somehow when we get to the 1900s, I completely forget what years are. And so I had to like reread to make sure earlier like, oh, okay, this is very close in time. To me, it could have been decades, (laughs) but turns out it was very close. So on May 22nd, the police took Ronald back to the cottage and asked him to reenact the events of May 20th. While looking through the cottage debris, investigators discovered a gallon jar in a five-gallon can. Melville, the neighbor that had discovered Christina's body, said that the five-gallon was used for gasoline to power an auxiliary machine. The police believed that the gallon jar had been used to store coal oil for cleaning pots and pans.
1: That is like the most 1947 thing I've ever heard. I don't even understand those words. (laughs) Listen, I got halfway through one of them and I was like,
0: auxiliary machine, what's happening here? But it's better if I don't guess because then people can't tell us we're wrong. So just know that we don't know either. Google it. Tell (laughs) Tell us what you find out. So on the same day, the police publicly announced that Christina's death, quote, may not have been accidental, end quote. Authorities believe that the key to understanding the circumstances of Christina's demise lies within the 3,000 plus word narrative that was provided by Ronald detailing the events of the day of the fire. Despite the length of the statement, the police still weren't satisfied with Ronald's explanation for his weekend visit with the newlywed couple. In the days following Christina's death, Ronald was acting pretty peculiar. He repeatedly alluded to there being some big secret about Christina's death and he kept talking about the full truth coming out sometime soon. He promised to give a quote unquote sensational statement to the fire marshals, but instead he took off in his car and he ended up being chased down by reporters. When the reporters caught up to him, he told them that he wasn't able to provide a statement without the consent of Inspector Wright. But old Inspector Wright told the Windsor Star that, quote, he is not in custody. He is free to go and come as he pleases. And certainly we couldn't stop him from making any statement he wishes on the case, end quote. So there goes that whole theory right out the window. Right.
1: So there were several key pieces of information that were involved in this investigation, one of the things the police focused on were these two telegrams in particular. One of them was sent by Ronald on May 19th from Severn Falls to his Mimico boarding house. And the telegram said, quote, unavoidably detained. The second telegram the police were interested in was sent to Ronald, but the contents of that telegram are not known. It was also learned that Ronald had given money to Christina after her marriage to Jack. Jack. And they were particularly interested in $10,000 that was missing, but it wasn't clear if this money was actually linked to the money that Ronald gave her or not. Even though there was only a trace amount of codeine found in Christina's system, an article in the Globe and Mail raised suspicions of drug trafficking involving Christina, Jack, and Ronald from Canada into the United States. Allegedly, a fancy apartment in Toronto served as the operations headquarters, and Christina had spent time there between April 29th and May 12th. When Christina had returned home on the 12th, her sister noticed that she looked sickly and had lost about 20 pounds in a short period of time. The article also said that Christina was being blackmailed. It was reported that Christina gave Ronald $15,000 on the day that she died, supposedly as a payment for whoever was blackmailing her. But Christina never mentioned anything about being blackmailed to her family. And they also said Christina didn't even have thousands of dollars. And if she did, they would definitely know about it. I don't know if I believe that. I don't Cause either. Because I don't think I would tell my family if I had 15K sitting in the bank. Why would they know?
0: What? Well, yeah, why would that ever be an announcement? Especially if she got it from like less than – great circumstances that right maybe she certainly isn't about. gonna be
1: like hey mom and dad <laughs> her mom doesn't even want her to be married to this guy yeah, exactly she's gonna do is say this right it also came out that ronald had purchased christina's wedding ring and her whole bridal outfit that's the gown the shoes the jewelry the veil everything that she was adorned with on her wedding day all purchased by ronald it's so weird yeah i mean great friend like thanks bestie (laughs) yeah but yeah it's a little strange (laughs) so ronald later denied buying those things and another source actually suggested that jack borrowed the ring from a married friend of his which also i have questions about they don't want it back like you're going to get married with a ring that you borrowed from a friend
0: Unless you don't want the person, the person's not going to have the ring for very long. Yeah, that's true. I know. Interesting.
1: A police inspector later said there was no indication that drug trafficking was a factor in the case and the blackmail theory ended up being the one that gained more traction. In Ronald's written statement, he claimed that in July of 1946, Christina had borrowed $2,000 from him without disclosing the reason. She later, allegedly, confided that she was being blackmailed and had been attacked by five men in Toronto. Christina actually threatened suicide if Ronald told her parents about what happened. So Ronald continued to provide financial assistance and eventually gave Christina $12,000 in total by the end of 1946, which would be equivalent to over $183,000 today. Something's going on there. Something with all this money. Those are big numbers. Yeah. And we are going to get into the rest of the story after one last break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Want to take your true crime obsession to the next level? Then you need True Crime Feed podcast. Unlimited premium true crime curated for you. Find out about a grandma embezzler turned murderer, or a celebrity-backed charity that gave off culty vibes. Plus, even more, like bizarre black markets, political murder plots, and the most prolific criminal mastermind you've never heard of. You
0: know those feels you get when you're tuning into a primo true crime podcast? The thrill chills. You can't get enough. But not every podcast hits the same. You can spend hours sifting through mediocre shows that don't deliver the goods. Well... Not anymore. True Crime Feed podcast has your back.
1: True Crime Feed sifts through the archives from the past decade to select the best cases and gives you a quick overview sprinkled with a teensy bit of humor. Plus a weekly top three power ranking for shows currently trending and lets you know what shows to send down your podcast queue trapdoor. You know you want those thrill chills, so come and get them. Subscribe to True Crime Feed. That's True Crime F-E-E-D wherever you get your podcasts. As moms, we know how important it
0: is to set our kids up for success. We want them to receive the best education, and while we've both homeschooled in the past, my biggest fear in doing that was that I wasn't able to do enough for them. But now there's K-12 powered schools, and it's literally their business to help kids reach their full potential thanks to their online education options that are tailored to your kids' unique needs, interests, and schedules. Best of all, it's not too late to sign up for the year.
1: K-12 powered schools have state certified teachers who are trained in online education, which means you aren't the ones responsible for the actual teaching of the lessons.
0: One of my biggest struggles in homeschooling was creating a fun curriculum, or even just putting it together. I felt overwhelmed and I had absolutely zero fun activities to do because I was just trying to get everyone through the day. But K-12 Powered Schools offers hands-on, innovating technology that means your kids are learning in a way that's both interactive and engaging, helping your kids gain all their skills, experience, and certifications
1: before graduating high school. Best of all, they give you the support you need to help them get there. Help your child gain the skills they need to thrive in the future with K-12. There's still time to get started for the fall. Go to k12.com slash moms today to learn more and find a tuition-free K-12-powered school near you. That's the letter K, the number 12.com slash moms. k12.com slash moms.
0: Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home?
1: Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply.
0: It's been a while since I've had a baby of my own, and some days I miss it so much. The baby cuddles and baby smiles, but when it comes to diaper rashes, not so much. I remember the first time my oldest had a diaper rash, I was really devastated.
1: Pull-Up Skin Essentials has got your big kid covered, too, with a training pant that's ultra-soft and breathable to help protect sensitive skin throughout potty training. Whether you're a first-time parent or a seasoned pro, make it easy on yourself and your baby with Huggies. Learn more at Huggies.com. Once again, head to Huggies.com to learn more.
0: And now back to the episode. So before the break, we were still talking a little bit about the relationship between Christina and Jack and Ronald and all this money that's kind of coming up and going through different hands, and police are really just trying to figure out what exactly is going on. And due to the various uncertainties surrounding Christina's case, a coroner's inquest into her death was held in Ontario, and this began on June 19th. This proceeding was not the same thing as a murder trial, but... Rather, an inquiry meant to determine whether or not Christina's death involved foul play. The inquest attracted significant attention due to the sensational media coverage the case had gotten. The courthouse was packed and large crowds gathered outside. Some people even lined up to get autographs from the two men involved.
1: That sounds very 2023.
0: (laughs) It's very 2023. This is like influencer culture, but back in the 1940s. So financial matters also played a substantial role in the inquest. Ronald's written statement, which contained insurance-related details, revealed that when Christina traveled to New York at the end of April, she carried $13,000 with her, and she had the intention of paying Ronald back. Her plan was to visit a bank and deposit the money into Ronald's account. However, just a few days into her stay, Christina confessed that she had not made the deposit as planned, Instead, she actually fabricated ledger entries in Ronald's account, a skill that she had learned from working at a bank. During the proceedings, Christina's sister, Helen, gave testimony about Christina's concerns regarding both Jack and Ronald. Helen said that Christina was scared of them both, and that their parents didn't like Ronald, and they didn't like that Christina was going to be alone with the two men. Helen also talked about what really happened when she visited Christina at the boarding house on May 12th. Christina told Helen that she had experienced a blackout, and when she woke up, she was at the Mimico boarding house. Ronald told her that everyone believed that she and Jack were married, even though they weren't. This pressured Christina into thinking she really had to marry him. Christina also believed that she'd been tricked into signing something, which really freaked her out because she was concerned, of course, with what she had actually signed. The owner of the boarding house, which is a man named Richard Thomas, testified that Christina was really distressed about the marriage. Christina told Richard that she was afraid that if she went to the cabin with Ronald and Jack, that something might happen. She also said that Ronnie had all of Jack's money and that he owed her $200.
1: During Jack's testimony, he faced extensive questioning from a lawyer from the attorney general's office named C.P. Hope. The line of questioning mainly focused on whether Jack and Ronald had a sexual relationship. Initially, Jack denied any such relationship beyond friendship, but Jack was presented with a statement that he had previously signed that admitted to sexual relations with Ronald. Initially, he claimed that he was coerced by the police to make the statement and that they had done this to bolster their case, but after prolonged questioning, Jack eventually did admit that the statement was indeed his. The lawyer from the Attorney General's office remarked in court that he did not intend to embarrass Jack with this line of questioning, but he suggested that the relationship might be relevant to the circumstances of Christina's death. Jack later acknowledged that he and Ronald had a sexual relationship from 1940 till 1943, and this relationship continued when he returned home from his deployment in 1946. The doctor who attended to Jack after the fire on the night of May 20th also provided testimony in this inquest. According to the doctor's statement, Jack's only problems were a cut on his forehead and he was shivering a little bit. The doctor actually suggested that Jack was in fairly good health and he acknowledged the possibility that he could have been faking shock. During
0: the inquest, a significant revelation emerged in the form of three suicide notes written by Christina. These letters discussed Christina's prior attempts to end her life by poisoning herself. Furthermore, testimony was given regarding a murder-suicide scenario that Christina had attempted. One of Christina's suicide attempts occurred on April 29th while she was living with Jack and Ronald in New York. During this incident, both Jack and Christina were poisoned, resulting in both of them becoming sick. They were alone in the apartment when Ronald returned and found them unconscious. Ronald allegedly tried to revive them for a few hours before they came to.
1: I have so many questions about this whole part.
0: I feel like Ronald is not quick to call the police ever. The fact that they like go to the hospital for hours and then he's like, you know what? I should tell the police that my house is on fire. Yeah. What's happening? (laughs) While they were unconscious, Ronald found a suicide note written to him by Christina. The first of the three letters were written before May 20th and the third was written on May 20th, the day that she died. The first one, which was sent on April 6th, said, quote, Ronnie, I guess this will be the best way. I might as well face the fact that Jack doesn't care a hoot about me. I've done everything but propose, and he hasn't asked me to marry him. This will be the best way out, as I couldn't bear to see any other girl have him. I'm sorry, but what could I do? I've done everything he has asked me to do, dot, dot, dot. You know how far. Life's funny, isn't it? You go along so far, and then, boom, you've had it. I'm sorry to have to do this, and I know you will never forgive me. Thanks for everything. And quote, kind of a wild letter right out of the gate. Yeah, I didn't know people used the word hoot back in the 1940s. So that's kind of interesting. (laughs) So the second letter was written in late April, and it was much longer. But it said in part, quote, I guess when you read this letter, things will be kind of changed some. This time you will definitely be by yourself. You stopped me from doing anything last time, but this time you won't know anything about it until it's all over. I have waited years, you might say, in the hope that Jack would ask me to marry him. But I now realize I am just a passing fancy where he is concerned. And as I've said many times to you, if I can't have him, no one else is going to have him. I just couldn't bear the thought of another girl being Mrs. Kettlewell. Jack is in the bedroom asleep, little knowing what is coming. I hope you won't judge me too harshly, but you know what I told you would happen if Jack threw me aside, end quote. These are quite confessional. Yeah, this (laughs) is a lot. It is a lot. So the third letter was written on May 20th to Mrs. Thomas, who owned the boarding house Ronald, Jack, and Christina stayed in previously. Christina had given the letter to Ronald to mail, but it was never mailed. Some lines from the letter include, quote, being burnt to death is not the nicest thing in the world to do, but it's the only way. The next one says Ronnie's in the boat outside somewhere. By the time he gets back, everything will be all over with. He must have been afraid something would happen because he's staying an extra day to make sure we go back to Toronto with him. End quote. So, according to BuzzFeed, all notes were confirmed by a handwriting expert to have been signed by Christina. They pointed out that Ronald held on to all the notes from Christina, but he never told Jack about them until the inquest. And somehow Ronald was able to, and he chose, to save these letters from the fire. That's hmm. where you got me. That's where yeah. you got me. These are in the house, and the house literally, the cottage burned all burned all the way to down. the ground. Right. Yeah, and you have these letters? Come on. Yeah.
1: So based on these new findings, the new theory was that Christina had attempted to harm herself and Jack again on May 20th. According to this theory, the reason Jack was unconscious and seemed like he'd been drugged was because he had, because Christina had likely poisoned him. Evidence from an autopsy showed a small amount of codeine in Christina's stomach when she died, as we said before. It is possible that she took more, and some of it might have disappeared naturally after her death, and a pathologist who reviewed this case also agreed with that. In Ronald's written statement, he mentioned that on May 20th, he left after breakfast and he returned to the cottage at around 11 or 11.30. When he got back, he found Christina in the sunroom and Jack on the couch unconscious. He thought, hey, Christina's done this before. She's probably poisoned Jack again. So he said he just made Jack comfortable on the couch, which is wild to think like that you come in and you immediately think this man's been poisoned by his fiance and you're just like let me throw a blanket over him and make sure he's cozy
0: i mean all of it to have to say like oh she probably tried to poison him again is just a wild thing right. to to automatically have to think
1: right so meanwhile christina started writing this letter to mrs thomas and ronald goes outside at around 6 30 p.m this is literally six hours after coming in oh my and gosh. finding his friend unconscious and possibly poisoned, he leaves for six hours and then comes back and says he still sees Christina and Jack there. But this time Jack has a head injury and he's bleeding. And when he when Ronald asks Christina, you know, what happened, she just doesn't respond. Ronald noticed there was a strong smell of coal oil in the house, so he ended up moving Jack outside for fresh air. At this point, Jack is still unconscious. He is bleeding from the head and unconscious, and Ronald's like, I think he just needs a little air, so he takes him outside. (laughs)
0: I, I mean, I, I don't know what don't. to think. I, I truly don't know what to think. And six hours later, you're just yeah. like, you know what he needs? A little vitamin D and this it will all go please, away.
1: Please, oh my gosh, for the love of everything, if anyone that knows me ever walks into a room and thinks I've been poisoned, don't leave me alone for six hours Like before six you come hours. check on me again. What I'll give you a world? blanket. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> <laughs> so after taking care of Jack, Ronald went back inside, but he couldn't find Christina
0: the Attorney General's office attempted to introduce additional evidence to counter the theory that Christina poisoned herself and Jack before going to the water and drowning. Their focus centered on Christina's lack of footwear. So during the proceedings, the pathologist was questioned about the feasibility of Christina ingesting a significant amount of codeine and then walking barefoot over rugged terrain to reach the river. The doctor said he wasn't sure if that was possible. Mr. Hope, who, as we said, was representing the attorney general's office, emphasized that Christina was barefoot when her body was discovered. He questioned why her feet showed no signs of injury or cuts despite walking across rocks and stones to get to where she was found. This all seemed to point to the suggestion that she was taken to the river and killed there. This all concluded without a definitive answer as to whether Christina's death was a murder, suicide, or accident. The jury statement said, quote, due to the fact that the postmortem examination disclosed coding in the stomach of the deceased, and due to the suspicious fact that she was found drowned, this jury is unable to decide on the evidence given whether or not foul means were employed in her death, end quote. Due to the jury's inability to ascertain the cause of Christina's death, no charges were filed, leaving the events surrounding Christina's death a mystery to this day. A year after Christina's death, Ronald filed an insurance claim in the amount of $8,670 for the cottage fire. We aren't actually sure if he received this payout or not. Jack actually married a few years later and established a family with his new wife, Marie. Jack passed away in January of 1998 at the age of 76, according to Ancestry Records. In 1956, Ronald relocated to New York, severing communication with Jack, who never heard from him again. Jack chose not to disclose the existence of Ronald or Christine to his son. The son only discovered this part of his family history as an adult while he was researching newspaper archives. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine? Like, I mean, this is so much information to find out at one time. Like, this is crazier than 23 and Me to read about all of this. So he does not believe that his father was involved in Christina's death. He's of the viewpoint that Ronald had exerted a manipulative and dominating influence over Jack. Jack's son told the Toronto Star in 2017 that Christina's death was like the family's version of the JFK assassination. I bet.
1: I cannot imagine uncovering something like this from the 1940s. Like if I were to cuz I you know how I am, Melissa, I have never done the 23 and me thing. I've never really looked into. My grandfather's actually done our whole family tree on Ancestry. Yeah. Um, but I've never really like deep dived into things like that or like looked for like old articles from, you know, family yeah. that lived in the 1940s and 50s or anything like that. But that would be the craziest thing I feel like to uncover, like to read articles and find out that your – anyone, like your dad or your even your grandparents or anyone in your family was involved in something like this or just – I yeah. don't even know. I can imagine how it would be like the big family – I mean, it's not a secret, but it's just yeah. like well big kind family of, thing. It kind yeah. of
0: is. He kept it from his son for good reason. This whole thing is absolutely wild. It is such a wild story. And I still don't know exactly where I feel, but I do think the jury was right not going forward with charges. I just don't think there was enough there at right. all. And especially if she's had this history of poisoning Jack and stuff like right. that, like it's not too far to think that that could have been what happened that day.
1: No, I totally agree with you. And this, of course, you know, it goes without saying, you know, we don't want we don't try to like speak ill of the dead or anything. But I feel like also sometimes in the case of especially particularly with younger people. And so this group of people was younger, Christina and Jack, and they were not very old. They were all in their early 20s, for the most part. And so I feel like there are things that her family might think that they know about her life yeah. and the things that she does that maybe they don't necessarily know. And that's always really hard, I feel like, in stories like this, when they're like, you know, especially when you lose someone and you want to have an answer for what happened to them. So to right. be able to say, like, you know, we didn't – I didn't like these guys. You know, it was all these two guys. But then you kind of hear other another side to it and you're like, well, you just don't really know, like, exactly what happened. And there was so many factors in this case that made it just – bizarre you know and super weird you just don't really know I don't know how I feel about it either
0: yeah yeah I'm kind of I don't know I, I really truly don't know but I think they were right in not going with just yeah, because they definitely. just didn't have anything yeah
1: okay Melissa well that was the story for this week are mm-hmm. you ready to turn the page and just do a little last thing before we go
0: absolutely so Mandy what time is it it's my favorite time it's time for
1: love is love blind, is blind. <laughs> Yes. so we're in
0: season five today there's been new episodes that dropped but we haven't i haven't watched them yet i'm sure you haven't watched them yet either i watched one of them <gasps> wow just like
1: right before we started recording i was folding laundry and i turned on the first one it's of the, the new best ones. time to do mm-hmm. it
0: mm-hmm. was it good yeah <laughs> okay I'm excited. okay so we're talking about the new season season five Bad news, the Lachey's are back. We don't know why. Uh, I <laughs> thought that was, still here. <laughs> Vanessa is still here. Vanessa is still here. But again, they really don't do much until the reunion that they fumble every time. And yeah. <laughs> there's like a weird like, hey, mom, hey, dad thing at the beginning that I hated that the contestants yeah. did. So, uh, Mandy, we're just going to give our brief overview of some of the main couples for this year. Sure. Right? Am I losing my mind or is there less couples? Feels like there's less couples. So, I actually only have right now that I found like three. online three right. yeah. Stacey and Izzy, Taylor and JP, Lydia and Milton. Okay. All right. All right. So, but here's the main players. So, we'll start with uh, just just things. What are your feelings? Aaliyah.
1: I love her. Me I too. I think she's a real sweetie.
0: She's very sweet. Seems like a very real person. Was very honest which it did not help her. But also I was glad because she
1: doesn't need that kind of crap in her life. Yeah. And I thought, what was his name? He came down way too hard on. Yeah, he was coming down a little too hard on her for that. Um, And wait until you see this new episode that I watched already this morning. You're going to be like, you're definitely going to think that she made the right choice.
0: Oh, good. Yeah, Mm -hmm. there's like a whole... There's a big twist. I don't even want to share it on here, even though you should already be caught up. I don't want to share it because it's that good of a twist um, that we don't normally get. And Aaliyah's best friend, at least a little bit on the show in the beginning, is Lydia.
1: Mm -hmm. Thoughts on Lydia. You know what? I feel like I really started off kind of liking Lydia and like wanting to give her the benefit of the doubt because she's very – like I feel like her personality is just very – I don't know. She's a lot like mine. She's very outgoing and just very like – kind of likes to like just goof around and like likes to talk a lot I feel like, which is, Mm -hmm. you know, fine. So she's like very fun. I feel like she would be a fun friend to hang out with. Right? Do I think that she would be a good partner partner? in a relationship? (laughs) I don't know. And then also – by the end of these first like four episodes, I was also kind of questioning if I thought that I would even like her as a friend. (laughs) I know. um, So I don't know how I feel about her. I felt like uh, she's kind of losing me a little bit because I thought I thought what she did was a little messed up. Very messed up.
0: (laughs) Um, You're saying a little I'm like, absolutely. I'm Mm -hmm. fully in. Um, Yeah, she I agree. I really was kind of going for her. She reminded me of whoever was with Bartise before that person. Oh,
1: like, um, I don't remember her name
0: now. But yes, but friendly, outgoing, right. stuff like that, and you want to cheer for her. Okay, next one is uh, Stacy.
1: Um, I, I like Stacy. I think she's cool, and I would we're going to have
0: differing opinions on that I one. Know. I like not her. a fan.
1: Mm-mm. You're not a fan of her.
0: I can't really put my finger on it either. Which. Makes me a terrible person. Okay. Um, I mean, I can tolerate her. I think I like her. Okay. I like I her, like her ba- better than the blonde from last season. I can't remember the one that was like so obsessed with the guy she ended up marrying and everything was pink in her house.
1: Oh, oh my gosh. Uh, Chelsea. 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 So Stacey, I like better
0: than Chelsea. So that's yes. nice. Yeah. Okay. Next is Johnny.
1: She's the attorney. Yeah. I just wanted to like give that girl a hug. I don't know. I just feel like she, I don't know. There was something about hers made me like sad kind of like, I don't know why. I was just like, why do you make me sad?
0: Well, I know. And she, there was something she was saying and I was like, if you were telling me this stuff, I'd be like, I'd already walked out the door. It was just like a little much. It's a
1: lot. And like, I know like, that's not to be ugly and say, like, that people who have been through a lot, like, like no. you know, whatever. And it sounds like she has really taken steps to kind of, like, work on her sure. past, you know, work through some issues that she's had in her past, which I definitely respect, you know. And, like, she was – she's made a point of saying she felt like she was ready now. Like, she had, like, worked on herself and now she was ready to, like, find a relationship. But yeah I also kind of felt like I wasn't sure if I agreed that she had – gotten to that point yet like the more she started talking i was like i don't know i feel like maybe you're not quite ready
0: i don't think she's ready for reality tv that's for sure um she might be ready to just date in general but probably not on a like get married today or Mm -hmm. in two
1: weeks thing yeah exactly
0: (laughs) right okay next up we have taylor um Mm -hmm. she's 26 and a teacher she's fine
1: no she's you don't like her i don't like her at all
0: Wait, never mind. She's the one who said when she meets the guy, something right off the bat was like, it doesn't matter that he doesn't have nice teeth. I like, it was such a, like, and I was like, well,
1: you're not going to get over that one um, (laughs) as time goes on. Like, if that was your first reaction, like, that's your first reaction. Yeah, it was. I wouldn't want to be recorded saying that. I feel like she feels entitled to like a certain thing that she's looking for. Mm -hmm. And um, that's obviously never a good way to try to go approach like finding a a relationship. If you're really looking for like true love and not caring about superficial things, I don't feel like that's her. Like I don't feel like she's truly – I don't think she thinks love is blind. Let's put it that way. No, no.
0: <laughs> love has eyes and glasses and maybe wears yes. contacts. She, <laughs> and that's what she thinks. Okay. The next one is this dude, Izzy. Mm-mm. I know. They were Mm-mm. all going bananas for him and I did not get it.
1: No. And you know, like the thing that made me not like him even more was like, because he's like not a bad looking guy, right? Like he has very like nice smile. Like he's not terrible looking, right? He, he has apparently has insecurities but the thing is like when he started going on and on about how he has so many insecurities and he has trouble getting dates i'm like no you don't like no you don't and Do that makes me yourself. think that you're just like i don't know like i don't think that guy has any problem getting dates let's put it that way no no But, like, the way he was trying to get sympathy about it. Like, I don't know how the girls are going to react to me. Like, I'm so, like, uh, I'm scared of women. Like, no, you're not. Like, please stop. You're fine. (laughs) You're fine.
0: Um, Okay, next one is, I I think he's still in the game. Chris, is he still in the game or no?
1: I don't even remember who he is. Okay, let's keep
0: going. Sorry, Chris. Um, How about this one? You know this one. Jared. Who's Jared? She. It's Taylor. Is that her name?
1: Okay, I really don't like that guy. You don't? -mm. Mm -mm. Huh?
0: I thought he was like I thought he Mm -mm. was harmless. That's what I would say. I didn't really care. What? What am I missing? The same person? What am I missing? He's the one who she made fun of his teeth. Yeah.
1: No. What am I missing? That guy has a dark side. Mm -mm. Ooh. Mm -mm. I just get like literally since day 1 i said cuz my husband watches the show now with me he like gets into love is blind so good show. um i told him literally on day 1 i was like i don't like that guy i think he could get angry i feel like he could flip a switch very quick and become like very angry in like a scary way that's he
0: okay so that reminds me of that ballerina girl from last season whoever she ended up marrying that guy that's what I got. And on. I have to be honest, the first three that we watched, I watched at Crime Con, And so, like, I was kind of half asleep. So yeah. you probably saw something I didn't see.
1: I think you'll see a little more of it, like, in the next episode. Like, this first one, that, the one that I watched today. Okay. Um... But yeah, I feel that way even more. Like after watching this one today, I was like, hmm, I don't know. Um, He just kind of like gives me – and I don't know. I feel like I actually have a pretty good like judge of that, like of people. Unfortunately, I've been around multiple people in my life that are like very manipulative and like abusive Uh in in some type of way. So I feel like I can kind of pick it out. But like I don't know. Maybe he's not. I want to give it a more time before I yeah. say that. But I felt like my first initial vibes from him were not good and they haven't improved. So that's so funny because I'm I don't trust anyone. So when I see I like don't like anyone.
0: And so I was kind of like, huh, I didn't really care one way or the other. So that's interesting that we got such different. Um, yeah. Yeah. I've got to pay more yeah. attention. Okay. Next one is this guy, Milton. I don't know how tall he is, but I apparently do. He's very,
1: how tall is he? He's six foot seven. Oh, that is pretty tall. That's pretty tall. Yeah, he's just a little baby though. He's only twenty four, and he's so cute. And I just think he's adorable. And he's so smart and like, like a nerdy way. But he's yeah. like very, very smart. And I think he's cool. I like him a lot.
0: Yeah, I don't know how emotional he is. Like,
1: yeah, but I also know what don't mean? know if that's just like being twenty four. Like, mm-hmm. not emotional. Like, I don't know. I guess. It, yeah. I guess it remains to be seen. But he's
0: I- really sweet. I liked him, though. And always here for a tall king, I need those. Uh, Well, I have one, but, like, in life, there should (laughs) be more.
1: Okay. What is this, like, tall kings to the front of the line, please? (laughs) My bad.
0: (laughs) Okay, and the last one is Uche. Mm
1: -mm. Please
0: tell me you feel the same
1: way about him. I just feel like he – his – tone when he speaks is Mm -hmm. always the same. Like he has no up and down. You can't tell based on the way he's speaking if he's happy, if he's upset, if he's excited, like if he's enjoying the conversation or if he's just like whatever. Like I don't like people like that because I'm very expressive. I talk with my hands. I use like a lot of, you know, different like things. And I just... I don't like when I can't read someone very well. And that's how I feel about Uche. I feel like I just don't really know. I don't get him, you know? Yeah,
0: I don't get him. And I feel like he's very judgmental
1: as we're sitting here judging him. He's super judgmental, yeah. But But in... I feel like we're judging him for being a judgmental person. Like that <laughs> is that okay? <laughs> Are we allowed to do that? <laughs> I mean, our whole thing right now
0: is just going over the player. He's not going over the actually he kind of is doing the exact same thing. But he was like so rude to Aaliyah and that made mm-hmm. me furious. So I the was The way kind he of spoke done. to
1: her was like very like authoritative, like I'm your father and you owe me an explanation for these things. Exactly. Like that's how and I was like i don't so like the much. way you're talking to her <laughs> like.
0: not at all and so he is part of the uh big twist that is in the show a twist we haven't seen we have seen it on married at first sight one time which was kind of interesting um but yeah we don't we haven't seen this before so i'm fascinated can't yes. wait to watch the rest of the season i don't really have anybody i'm pulling for i have more people i'm like rooting against but i do like a yeah
1: yeah, so the couple, so as you said, it was so anyway, uh, Milton is with Lydia, the I don't think that's going anywhere. I don't either. Um, they kind of make a big scene about how he's 24, and she's 30. They both love rocks. That's about I it. Don't know. Yeah, but they're I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah. I guess you'll see. I feel like I can't say too much because you haven't seen the one episode I've seen yet. True. So, so I we should go. I should let you go. Go watch okay. these. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm going to
0: do that. So and then we'll do – let's do some official voting next okay. week on who we Okay. Think. Sounds
1: good. Yeah. So if you want to jump into this, Love is Blind just started. They always release like a chunk of episodes at a time. So I think the first – I think now there's like seven total that are out. Ooh, so okay. you can start watching the first yeah. four or seven, however many there are.
0: And then check out our Instagram. I'll put some kind of a poll thing for um, voting for that. That would be
1: good. Perfect.
0: Before we go, we are going to do our shout out for the uh, people who gave to season of justice. We missed it last week. So here we go. Um, there's a chance I might say your name a second time. So for that, thank you. Uh, if we've already mentioned your name, sorry about that. So Amy Doobie, uh, thank you so much. Nicole Flores, we appreciate your generosity so much. Sally Dickinson, thank you, thank you, thank you. Rhonda uh Thank you so much. Rhonda Kachina, we really, really appreciate uh, your commitment to helping Season of Justice. Lori Boren, we love you, Lori. Thank you so, so much. Stephanie Hinckley, great name, even better person. Next is Kate Hernandez. Thank you, Kate, so, so much for your generosity towards Season of Justice. Lexi Gunnell, we appreciate you so much. Cynthia McCloskey. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're the best. Tiffany Donovan. Thank you very much for giving. Luisa Gar- Garces. I'm sorry if I said that wrong. G-A-R-C-E-S. Even if I said it wrong, you get it. And we appreciate you. Thank you so much. Catherine Honan. Thank you for your support of Season of Justice. This is really sweet. Mickey Ashman said, I love you guys and have been quietly listening from the beginning. I turned my sister on to you guys, too. So when you asked for a donation, it was the least I could do to repay the hours of enjoyment you've given me and my sister. Thank you, Mickey. That means so much. Next is Carrie Shanahan. Thank you. Thank you. We appreciate you so much. Cody Castor, thank you for your generosity and donation to Season of Justice. Amanda Kenny, thank you. That's amazing. We appreciate you so much for your donation. Casey Davidson. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We love you. We appreciate you. Daniel Sita. Danielle Sita. I said that wrong. You're the best. Thank you very much for helping us have such a successful campaign. Sandra Churchy Hudson. We love you. Thank you. You're the best. Karen Lukasik. I apologize if I said that wrong, but this sentiment is still the same. Thank you so, so much. Rosie Vega, you're a sweetheart. Thank you for every penny you donated. Every penny means so much. Uh, Erin Haynes, thank you, thank you, thank you for your donation. We love you guys. Thank you so much for making this be such a great success. And we are just so excited to have partnered with Season of Justice.
1: Yes, thank you so much, guys. That means so much to us and so much to Season of Justice. We appreciate all of you. Absolutely. All right, guys, that was a story for this week. We will be back next week. Same time, same place. New story. Have a great week. Bye.